0: Welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am one of your hosts, Tom Donnelly, and today I am joined by the one, the only, the casual gamer himself, Jake Shapiro!
1: How you doing, Jake? Hello, world. I am doing great, man. It's good to hear your voice. How are you?
0: I am doing, uh, you know, I'm doing okay. You know? <laughs> okay, in, in the, in the In the words of, uh, of Johnny Cash, uh... I bought a home in a burning ring of fire. (laughs) Yeah. My value's going down, 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 and the flames are growing higher.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you, we haven't left our house since this whole thing started, and my kid is going bananas, and so am I, quite frankly. I'm doing this
0: thing. I probably mentioned it on the podcast at some point, but uh, most mornings I get up at 6 a.m., and I go to the beach when no one is there, and I walk about you know 4 to 5 miles uh, just with my with my feet in the surf and i have a little uh micro recorder and a little a little boom mic headset thing and i i dictate i dictate writing uh, each morning mm-hmm. and i can't do it now I, I i wake up i step outside and i smell smoke i smell the fire and
1: absolutely so do we and you know it's it's really limiting it really makes it hard to even just water the plants on my little patio
0: yeah yeah so yeah so i walked i walked those four miles a few days ago and all day i was like why do why do i have a headache why do i feel like and i'm like
1: oh am i coughing up black tar
0: yeah and i would i thought that even that at the beach at least you got the wind but there wasn't wind that day and so if there's not if yeah, there's not that onshore it wind, on which way the
1: wind is blowing, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's it's bad. It's bad. Everybody stay home.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 Well, if you're in California, if you're in other parts of the world, yeah, hey, sure,
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, the rest of you just enjoy the regular
0: world. Yeah, if if you're you know if you're listening to us in New Zealand, hey, party on. You 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 know, you're uh, you're prime minister did I'm a good j- did a really good job yeah
2: world.
0: jacinda did a great job and you guys are uh, are are good to go just live your lives but for us here we're uh, we are uh, we are suffering from our own uh, mistakes
1: and errors and the errors Yeah, it's the, not awesome. My mom keeps calling me to say how close are the fires? I'm like, "Mom, nothing's burning near me. It's just, you know, the toxic fumes are making it to me." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess that's that happens everywhere, right? I mean, if you're if you're in an if you're in a state where there are floods and there's a flood, it doesn't matter if you live on the top of a mountain, you're going to have family calling you asking, "How are you doing?" That's, that's right. You know, when there's an earthquake anywhere in California, I'll, I'll be getting the calls, right?
1: Yep. That's how it goes.
0: That is how it goes. How about you? How, how, how are things? How is, you know, the last time you and I talked, my wife was uh, was was telling you about, you know, kindergarten, virtual kindergarten and stuff like that. Yes, how, sir. That's how, right.
1: how is it going? Well, it's been an interesting, if not un-unique experience. I mean, everybody is going through this it has got a kid, and uh, he seems to have adjusted reasonably well um, to this this idea of virtual schooling, mm. the, you know, I'm of two minds about whether the scant amount of time he's really allotted is either good or bad because I'm the kind of parent who really monitors screen time yeah. and uh, does a lot of reading and we, we do a lot of that. And so less is more, but at the same time, He only gets like two hours a day with any kind of FaceTime with another grown up and the other kids. And I I don't know if that's going to be enough to really do any kind of like, you know, substitute for socialization. I mean, how how can you even even if he was on it all day, just staring at faces on the screen? Does that really replicate? I don't know. So you have a bit torn about it, as I think a lot of parents are.
0: Yeah. uh, My understanding is, is that you have to uh, replicate the effect of him being around his peer group. So,
1: yes, well, you have have to act like a a kindergartner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think right now you're probably operating at around a third grade level. You just got to drop it a few grades. It's not it's not that far for you.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because I've also, you know, with a keen interest on what the actual content is, regardless of how much or, you know, the style. And mm. I don't know about other people's six-year-olds, but, like, what they're going over for those two hours, we're so far beyond that at this point. Like, they've just introduced flip cards of, you know, sight words, they call them these days. Yep. And they've got, like, four of them over the last, however, what has it been, like, a month? I don't even know.
0: Uh, yeah, a few weeks, yeah. Four
1: sight words now? yeah. And I've been doing sight words with him since COVID started. So he's up to like 100 sight words. So, you know, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun or if we're just ahead of the game. But if, if this is indicative of what, like, you know, kindergarten is supposed to be as far as the curriculum, he, he could just jump right into first grade.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, you um, a dedicated, concerned parent that is staying at home with their child that is trying to prepare them for the world is going to, you know, it going to start with a leg up and kindergarten for, for that kind of child is still, it's still a good experience. I think I mean, I was the, oh,
1: absolutely
0: I was the same way when I was in kindergarten. I, you know, I, I remember one of my childhood friends, uh you know their parents would tell me later on in life they were like my son came back from school the first day and said I'm friends with this guy named Tom and he reads and, and they were like they like oh <laughs> right. my god he can already That's like right. fully full on read and they were like whoa what is going on here um it didn't 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 harm me i mean it, it, that uh, you know that kindergarten year was about socialization was about getting to Absolutely. know how to deal with with people and learning and learning a few things along the way but also feeling a sense of competence is not a bad thing
1: at that age not at all and you know conflict resolution and sharing and all of these things that you learn in person i just don't know i'm i'm unconvinced that it can be replicated staring at the screen i mean <laughs> i've eavesdropped on a few of these calls now mostly and recently i've sort of just let him do it because there's no point but i got a few in and i watched from the doorway Hmm. and it's not like the children really even interact that much i mean what they're practicing at this point as far as i can tell is taking turns yeah like waiting their turn to speak and answer a question but it's not like it would be in an actual classroom where they get to actually interact and like bounce off each other so who knows, you know, he's so little, six years old. I I only have a few memories from when I was that age. So I'm hoping that, you know, this thing blows over and he looks back and says, oh yeah, I kind of remember the time we were all locked in and the world was falling apart.
0: Well, Moira, my wife, is one month into her teaching and uh, yeah, I I think for her... She was thinking a month ago that, oh, well, I'll be – this for the first week, here are the academic things I'm going to be teaching. And the second week, and all of the kindergarten teachers were like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you will not. Right. No, no, no. Right. The first month is just learning how to school. Right. Just yeah. that's kind of all un- it is and unmute. <laughs> how to do school and especially how to do school in this brand new, unique way. And and that's that's all it is, like, like wife, actual teaching uh,
2: at,
1: the, at the forefront of all of them. But my hat goes off to the teachers in these trying times because they are ex- essentially completely redoing the entire industry. Uh, everything they've learned, they have to adjust and fix and, you know, all the love and care they give to their kids. They got to re figure out how to do that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the son of two parents that were both teachers, and mm. so I've always had the highest respect for them. Th- this is not easy what they're all doing, your wife included, and um, like I'm in awe and appreciation for all the love and care that they're they're pouring out.
0: Oh, that's awesome, Jake. That's a, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is tough. She is working. I think probably she worked 100 hours this week. I, I think it, the... That does not surprise me. Yeah, the, the the amount of work necessary to basically reinvent the wheel while doing a full-time mm-hmm. teaching job is astonishing.
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody's swimming in the deep end. Nobody knows what this is, and uh, it's it's impressive what they're able to achieve. It really is.
0: Absolutely. This has been Education Talk. Now let's move on to Game brand.
1: <laughs> How about some games?
0: <laughs> this is round eight, turn eight 8-8, eight, eight, and we are gonna be talking about the 2016 release Yokohama. And then Jake and I are Yokohama. gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a trip back in time. We're gonna go mm-hmm. we're, we're not just gonna go old school, Jake. We're gonna go older than old school. We're gonna talk about the games we played before there was this hobby. Mass market games, mm-hmm. popular games, ancient games, and the joys to be found therein. Right, like, what was your what absolutely was, looking yeah, forward to it? Yeah, your your number one game on your top on your game brain top twenty list was Scrabble. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the genesis of this topic. We're gonna say because Jake was like, eh, you know what? Some of my favorite games are not games that we play. Let's talk about why and what that is, and and where we should that's be.
1: Right. I appreciate the uh, the forum to just discuss a few things that aren't. Purely board games.
0: Yeah, well, or or games. There's certainly games, you know. And uh, oh,
1: they're a hundred percent games. And uh, you know, I I was I, I, we talked a little bit before the cast, uh, you know, some days ago to really ignite the fires of memory there. And I, I reached back, and I've got a, a list of you know, I don't know, six or seven games that I grew up playing and. I wouldn't call any of them really board games. I guess, no, I guess that's not true. I guess two or three of them are technically board games. But,
0: I mean, Scrabble um, certainly is a board game.
1: Scrabble sort- certainly is, you know. And, you know, what do I know? Maybe you'll be like, no, Jake, those are all board games. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was fun for me to to reach back into the recess there and, and, and pull out those things that honestly formed the, the, the basis for why I enjoy our group so much and and why I love learning all the new games that I get to learn when we play.
0: Love it. So let's start off with the way we always start off with this week's game night. Jake, uh, I know you played Yokohama with me. What else did you play uh, this week, if anything, by the way? And I, I know when you're, you know, kind of homeschooling slash kindergartening a, a six-year-old, that, that could be a, a, a tough, tough thing.
1: Yeah, you know, the games that I played this week were games that I've mentioned before. I play a lot of teach you by myself. <laughs> Um, I've got a million Scrabble games going on the phone with randos and also with people who I've been playing games with for years. Mm Um, I play every now and then when I'm feeling especially brain dead, I'll log into Xbox and see if I can like just run around in some virtual world, but nothing really worth mentioning. Um, gotcha. And every now and then we we bust out the uh, the, the sorry board just to sort of keep him interested in the hobby, if not with the worst example ever, of a mindless you know no choice game.
0: Dude, we um, got I gotta I gotta get you off of that and on to something better. There's there's you
1: know I, I actually I actually looked into ordering um, I think it's called Everdell. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A 3D. Yeah, yeah. So I was looking and I'm trying to remember which would be something that you might enjoy. No. And get, get sh- uh, I, I almost pulled the trigger on it yesterday and then I realized how much it was. And I was like, I better just clear this with the, with the wifey before I spend 60 bucks on a board. <laughs> no,
0: try Chateau Roquefort instead.
1: Okay. All right. That's Chateau
0: good- Roquefort. I think you will love it. I think it'll be very enjoyable. Okay.
1: Um, All right. But All yeah no as far as like games that, that I play that's within within our little world not too much honestly I have uh, been really focused on just what I call real life
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I trust me I know what you mean uh, you, listen Maddie is back Maddie is recording Maddie is recorded his, oh, yeah. his first uh, podcast in, a, in uh, quite you know, a while
2: how great is that?
0: loved it now super we get happy we you both. We to... get you both. Super happy to hear him back, but it was also I realized the first week off I've really had. I, I think we took one week off for uh, for the Fourth of July, a week, uh, but it was the first week in which I didn't think, okay, what 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 game do we have to do we have to play so, uh, you know several times so that we can get the reps in to be able to do a good review uh, and this and then the other thing. And dude,
1: you're you're a machine, man. We we the game brainers have to just recognize and take our hats off because without you keeping it going, there'd be no podcast.
0: Well, well, Maddie was the one who started it, and he was—he was—he well, was—he sure, yeah, was the yeah, machine. Yeah. He was the his
1: brainchild. Yeah. But, uh, the, machine really was the machine before I was the machine for sure. You've been doing it brilliantly.
0: No, well thank you that's very kind of you. I wasn't, wasn't wasn't fishing for a compliment it was just to say that uh, for my for my week off which really did feel like a week off I was like oh I can you know play ahead and play some of the games that I'm going to be playing in the next week and for that week I played nothing I played nothing <laughs> like really like like a couple games with the family at home but other than that played nothing I was just like you know what my game brain needs a brain break. I just need a I just need a rest for just a every a, brain day A few days and uh you know, yeah, it was also, you know, my wife's doing 100 hours a week. I'm probably doing a good 30 hours a week working with her trying to, you know, she's got so good many luck. so many things she needs to learn technologically like this system and that system and this thing and that thing. She it's impossible for her to learn them all. So I'm learning some of them and then Showing the showing her how to you know giving her the mm-hmm. the, the teach I'm giving her the teach is Good what man. I'm doing I'm Good learning it. I'm learning Good systems and giving her the teach it. anyway for me uh, Yokohama was a joy this week as you will hear in our oh, review absolutely. I played teach you but not not Jake's horrible horrible <laughs> online teach <laughs> you with admittedly horrible where you just person. scream at Becky all the time no
1: oh that.
0: Uh, I played Teach You with the family which is a lot better and also more dangerous It's much more much more yeah. fraught uh, the feelings can get hurt in Teach You it's just the way it is uh also got a game of High Frontier oh Jake High Frontier is this I I indoctrinated my poor son by teaching him one of the one of the more obtuse and complicated and complex games about space exploration. And I don't mean like science fiction. I mean, uh, in the next few decades, what we'll actually be doing. Yes, exactly. And you're, you're, you're calculating fuel weights and, and you're, you're trying to reach trajectories <laughs> and things like that. And, uh, oh my goodness. It's so, so, Baroque and dense and and difficult, and he knows it like the back of his hand now. And we're just, you know, okay, you know, how about we? You know, how about we go and see who can land first on Titan, on one of the moons right. of Saturn? <laughs>
1: right, right, right. <laughs> and that's, that's that, beautiful. Man. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, maybe he's ready to run the podcast, and you can take a break. Let him do it. Dude, he probably could. He probably could. He's oh, he he's probably pretty, could. He's he pretty probably good. Could.
0: Uh, and then, of course, game of the year, cup of noodles, Yahtzee. How how else can you say that's no? I haven't I, I haven't bought it, but actually, from the jokes that Maddie and I were making about it, I suddenly started to realize. I kind of almost want Cup of Noodles Yahtzee. I kind of really want to get that. Yeah, and, and, why not? And hey, it's a no shame it's, in wanting something fun. It is a mass market game, so maybe we'll talk about Yahtzee in terms of the old, older than old school games and see what we can uh, come to from that. We'll see. Uh, and that's uh, that, that was it for me. I think, I think probably played uh, a couple games of Love Letter and uh, a few other little filler games and things like that, but that was about it for me. This week, beautiful. What say we get into the news? Let's do it.
2: Good evening, Mr. Mr. South America, All
0: and at sea. Let's go to press. The news. First up in game news is actually some kind of older than old school news, which is kind of interesting. Yep. Uh Yeah. Jake, did you ever play Hero Quest? As a matter of fact, I did. Oh, interesting. Would you would you tell, because it came out in 1989, so uh, we generally date the state of start of this hobby around 95 when Catan came out. Uh, so this predates our hobby. Can you tell people basically the, the super simple version of what HeroQuest is?
1: Absolutely. I'll just dial back to my 12-year-old self when out came a game that's essentially D&D. It's just yeah. a dungeon dive with the most, Simplest reductionist version that you could possibly imagine, except on a board game.
0: Exactly right. It was put out yep. by Milton Bradley, and it was designed yep. in cooperation with Games Workshop. They're the ones who do Warhammer and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It had, you know, I had a little you know three D furniture and three D characters that you would put on a very nice looking board, and uh, yeah, they, you would have a dungeon master. So it wasn't. It was very interesting because most games that exist uh, since Hero Quest that are in this dungeon diver thing figure out a way for everyone to play against the game itself, right? Yeah. You're playing against the yeah. game. But this required a, a dungeon master, essentially, right? A, a
1: referee. As it's meant to be. I mean, let's face it. You need somebody to be God. Mm, exactly so. Well, yeah. what is the news we have right
0: now? With that? Well... um officially there is no news but there's uh-huh. a page there's a page on the Avalon Hill website that says 9 days from today the day of our recording which will be s- uh, 8 days from when this episode comes out there's going to be a n- news there's a quest is calling is what the mm-hmm. request is saying and a lot of people are thinking, and there's even a there's a a page that has just popped up on BGG. It doesn't have anything in it, but it's calling it the 25th anniversary of Hero Quest. So, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, we love a teaser, and uh, if they're going to dangle something in front of my face, let it be Hero Quest. So,
0: do you, do you think that there's any possibility, like like? It's so easy to, uh, for this to fail, right? It's so easy for this to well,
1: fail. Well, it, it's quite antiquated, and it's been eclipsed so many times, and the same thing has been done so well so many times. Yeah. that To just be like, hey, guess what? We're going to bring it back. I, I'm, I'm curious. I think some of us will just be like, I loved this then. I love it now, regardless of the history in between. Mm-hmm. Some of us will think, why? Why? Just why? Right. Why do I need this?
0: <laughs> in in the world in which Gloomhaven is a thing, how do exactly. you how do you differentiate? What are you going to? How do? do you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's nostalgia. They have that going for them for sure.
1: Absolutely, and some of us love nostalgia. There's a, there's a huge contingent of people who will just play it simply because they played it when they were twelve.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We don't
1: want to get ahead of ourselves. Who knows what they're doing? Maybe they're coming up with some new, reimagined, reinvention. That would be cool.
0: Yeah. There's a, a little bit of inside baseball going on too, which is Avalon Hill is being moved over. Essentially, uh, Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, Avalon Hill—they're all purchased under the. They, they all exist under the same company, and uh, yeah. it's being moved from one division to another. But it, it's really not. That doesn't appear to be. Uh, substantive, or at least we don't we don't have any idea what the and uh, what the what the result of that is going to be, except that they're they're mixing things up over at the at the Avalon Hill Wizards of the Coast sure. Hasbro area, and uh, generally when they're when they do reorganizations like this, um, they're doing it with you know in an aim to be better and an aim to be more relevant, and sometimes they miss the mark horribly, but a lot of times they uh, they dial in on what you know, on what they should be doing. And if if Hasbro yep. is getting more serious in the hobby gamer, that's that's our side of the industry, uh, in the hobby, hobby gamer space, I think that's a really good thing because I think that company back in the day was the only game in town, and I would love for them to be a, a bigger presence now.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? If it brings uh, an oldie but a goodie to a new generation, then I'm okay with that too.
0: 100%. 100%. Next up, speaking of oldie but goodie, this is not that old, but – Maddie's favorite or one of Maddie's three favorite games in the world, Troyes, that's Troyes, for those who don't don't <laughs> pronounce it that way, T-R-O-Y-E-S, Troyes, uh, is coming out with a Roll and Wright version, Troyes Dice. Roll and Wright strategy mm-hmm. game in which you play a rich family in the Champagne region, which is where Troyes is located. It's a real, it's a real place, uh, and you're going to seize the opportunities created by the dice to leave your mark and build the best city you possibly can. Uh, to which my question is: Is Twa already? I mean, to, the reason Tois is so amazing and so groundbreaking is it was one of the very first Euro games to bring back dice, and
2: mm-hmm. they
0: and they did it by making dice something. That could be used in a wide variety of ways. If you roll, the complaint was always in our hobby. uh, We wanted to harness chance, right? We wanted to to take randomness and to use it in an interesting way that did not get in the way of strategy. And when rolling three, four, five dice, you know, you roll all ones, you roll all sixes. You can have a radically different game that negates a lot of the strategic thing, decisions that you've made up to that point. Well, Trois changed all that because, first of all, you can buy other people's dice. Second of all, right. you can use points that you have accumulated in the game to change those dice and to do different things with them. And change it be- your fate. Exactly. Exactly. So to have a roll and write game, uh, I wonder if that's going to be something that they're going to use. Right. The the, the roll and rights Traditionally, are you roll the dice? That's the input randomness, as Trey would say. Yep. And then you yep. use that to make the best decision you can. Uh, if this is going to be a game that is anything more than just you know just rolling right with a trois skin on it, I would say that what you'd want to do is you'd want to figure out a way that. Uh, everyone doesn't use the same dice or you claim dice and when you claim a die, then the other person can't use that or something along those lines. I think something along those lines would be kind of a really interesting take on the roll and write game because almost all roll and write games, everyone shares the same information and
1: tries to put together the best puzzle, but we'll see. Sure. We will see. We'll see. And then we'll see. It's a big split psychologically between those of us who couldn't care less about letting chance take its turn, and uh, <laughs> those of us who need to have their hands on the reins of their own fate with every single move. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, roll and rate games are you know they're an interesting animal because the people playing them are largely strategic gamers, and they're yep. they've sort of. Turn themselves over to a game that is completely multiplayer solitaire, uh, which I guess is why I'm arguing maybe this game will be more than multiplayer solitaire, because maybe some of the decisions you make with those dice are going to change the game for other people and not
1: just for you. Well, Mm -hmm. we shall
0: see. Indeed, we shall. And then there is another great game that uh, we've sort of had on our list for a while to review, because it's not not as well known as it should be because it's a very interesting game. Raja uh, Rajas of the Ganges is the is the name of the game and they are coming out with a 2020 release called Rajas of the Ganges The Dice Charmers which guess what? Is essentially more dice. yeah, it's more dice, right? Inca <laughs> Inca and Marcus Brand created the Rajas of the Ganges. Uh they also did Village uh, I believe, so they they, they create, you know, the very interesting games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are going to be, uh, eight symbols on these dies that you're going to roll that are going to allow you to yep. develop your province, gather goods, sell them at the market, win over, you know, the people of the palace and so on and so forth and sail up and down the Ganges. So,
1: and if you like minis, you get a little, uh, elephant. Yeah. So, isn't, that, for you. isn't that cute? <laughs> I think <that's> pretty <laughs> it's pretty cute. Cute little elephant.
0: Yeah, and I, I like the fact that the dice are not—you uh, know—they're they're not just numbers; they're symbols, and there are three different, uh, four different colors of dice, uh, which affect what they can do. So, you know, in terms of changing the the uh, roll and write space a little bit, it looks like the decision space for this roll and write might be a bit more than than the usual. So, I'm, I'm welcoming that. I think that's. Well,
1: will it be enough to move the needle for those of us who uh, you know? can 't stand to let those bones troll I don't know <laughs> I yeah I'm kind of
0: one of those guys in that in that pool I'm not really a big roll and right mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite roll and right game is uh, I can't remember the name of it but uh, and I own it and I can't remember the name of it um, it's this one where you're a band and you're trying to put together a trip around the United States and uh, the the numbers you roll on two ten-sided dice um mm. you know, if you roll a one and a nine, you have to put a ninety one in one state and you have to put a nineteen in another state, and you're yep. gonna make a and you're gonna make a trip around the United States that only goes up in in die value. Right.
1: Right, right, right. Kind of interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm on the other side of that fence a little bit. I mean, ever since joining this amazing group, I I, I kinda lean your direction nowadays, but you know, my foundation of games, I mean D and D is huge in that regard, and of course, that's all dice to a certain degree. Um, and one of the games on my list, which we'll get to later, is only dice. So yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind that so much. We will see.
0: I I should announce this. I'm gonna be playing in a Dungeons and Dragons game. I I haven't played Yes, I know.
1: Heartbroken. Where's my invite? What? I know. Hold on, right? Everybody, be quiet. What's happening? Uh, f- no, no, no. <laughs> uh, friend
0: of the pod, Jim Fitzgerald, and friend of the pod, Andrew Ryer, um, They're both friends of mine from high school back in New Jersey. Mm. Are putting mm-hmm. the band back together. They're they're literally putting oh, together man. some you know a bunch of high school friends that are now you know. You know, that's beautiful. Moving on and moving on in age, and saying we're going to put together a classic uh, the thing. I love it, and I don't I have to that's be. That's what I
2: hope
1: someday happens for me. I don't have, you have to. Literally be... just describes my dream,
0: right? <laughs> it's good. It, it's a good thing. I, I think it's, it's great. I think it's kind of neat, and I don't have to DM. There was which is... a
1: time to like, like just have a little bit of fantasy. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you said it's that's mostly beautiful. rolling dice, I'm like, not the way I'm going to play. No, 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 no. I am not going to. I've been trying to think of like what what uh, how I'm going to play D and D because I'm all about I'm not a big fan of D and D in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm a big role playing fan, very much so. I'm an indie indie games role player is is what I what I love to do. Um, So I'm like, okay, when I'm going to play this game, I'm going to play it from a very strong sort of LARP. You know, stay in character as much as you can play it as though this character, you know, never never be on the meta level. So if there's a puzzle to be solved mm-hmm. in, the, in, mm-hmm. in the dungeon, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be tremendously helpful because I'm not going to step outside of the game and be meta about it and say, well, I think it's probably this. My character is going to think what my character thinks, and that's all you're going to get from him. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> Good for you. Not too many could tell that line. No. That's exactly what you should do.
0: Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I think just between you, me, and the wall, I I may play a cleric or a clerical type person, and I th- mm-hmm. and I think they're going to uh, be. Um, I think they're going to be what I want it to be is I want everybody to think they're just a cleric from the beginning, and then little by little, I'm going to start dropping hints that I'm actually mixed up in some crazy cult. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on. <laughs> Well, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of that game. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that's that's that probably is what I'm, I'm leaning towards. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Right on. Uh, moving on, speaking of uh, crazy cults, no, not at all. Uh, there's a game called Kyoto <laughs> coming out, which is very, very interesting. Um, we talked about the cost, which, by the way, talk about games on my brain. I, I keep coming back to the cost as being one of the games we have reviewed in the last year. That keeps coming up in my mind. It is it is a game about the uh, asbestos industry, and it is uh, from a mm-hmm. first time designer, and it is so well designed. I, I mean, I have certain issues with it. I have certain you know you, you know things that I am not quite sure work as well as they should, but the ambition of designing what ends up being a very interesting economic simulation, um, in which the game tries to. Take into account the damage caused by the money making of the game itself is
1: very interesting.
0: Kyoto, yeah,
1: that that, that touches a lot of nerves, right? I I hope
0: Absolutely. there's going to be more games like this. I think CO two by Vitaliserta is one of those games. Kyoto is in the same space as CO two. Uh, mm-hmm. In Kyoto, players, uh, you know, are dealing with climate change, right? We're the decision makers now. We're delegates from different countries going to the Kyoto uh, summit, and uh, we're going to be negotiating at this climate conference. Uh, we're going to need to hit reduction targets. We're going to need to provide the funding necessary to do that. And if we don't do that, we're inflicting severe damage on the planet.
1: But... It feels like a game that actual politicians should probably play. It, it,
0: doesn't it sound like CO2 meets D I mean, it kind of
1: does. And honestly, I love their log line, which I'm not usually a big fan it. of that because it's kind of corny. But why don't, you, why don't you
2: tell the world? No, uh, no, uh, no you tell it. Yeah.
1: Well, it says, Money makes the world go down. And then the <laughs> visual is a globe completely cracked in half, and half of it is falling. And there's just money flying out the window into the breeze.
0: <laughs> I love it. I
1: love it's, it. it's clever. it is clever.
0: so everybody is trying to make this thing work, but everybody also has to individually preserve your your country's wealth and you're gonna have a secret agenda and the mm. that secret agenda you're going to need to try to meet as well, which is very yeah. you know that's very um Republic of Rome that's very. You know, these games in which, oh, well, obviously we all have to spend our resources to avoid the Punic War or to stop Hannibal from conquering us and so on and so forth. But at the end of the game, the winner isn't the one who did the best preserving Rome. It's the one who got away with preserving Rome and still ended up amassing their own fortune and uh, gaining their own Right. Assuming
1: the whole world doesn't blow up, in which case then you didn't win anything. Right.
0: So, needless to say, we can't play with Paul because
1: you yeah, know he'll kill the world immediately. Yes, there's <laughs> yeah
0: because uh, you know you can't negotiate with terrorists, and that's the way it, no. That's simply the way it would go. But with anybody else oh, in our group, I miss group,
1: Paulie Walnuts. What's he up to? I want to get him on the line.
0: Paulie, Paulie, Lee, is Paul Paulie's a busy boy. He's writing a lot these no, days, I which know. is good. I know he's doing well. Yeah, 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 very much so, very much so. Anyway, Kyoto. Uh, looks really, really interesting. It plays three to six players. I love it in a negotiation game. Uh, games that play, uh, you know, the higher. You know, when you talk about five-player, six-player counts, uh, negotiation games are particularly well suited to larger, uh, larger counts. Mm-hmm. So, I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game should be available in the United States mid-December, and uh, in Europe in mid-October. This was obviously a game that was going to be featured at Essen. Whenever you hear those dates, whenever you hear mid-October in Europe and mid-December in the United States, that's an Essen release. So uh,
1: basically, if the United States still exists by then, you could play this. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if our mail system still functions, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, a game called Sit down, with an exclamation point, Um, it is done by the Belgian publisher that did Magic Maze back in 2017. Magic Maze was kind of a phenomenon, it was a really, really interesting um, puzzle strategy game, very well designed, very well put together, and uh, they, you know, fantasy themed, and they've done it kind of again, and this one, this is going to be one versus many, which I love, I love a game in which... Not every where there is some asymmetry, and in particular, one versus many asymmetry. That's uh, you know one of my favorite games of all time. Friedrich is a classic of of that kind of uh, that kind of industry, that kind of game. Um, and in Rush Out, basically, one person is the sorcerer, and he's against all of the other adventurers that are in the dungeon, and he is trying to move mm-hmm. his dragon uh, around the board through the you know through the the dungeon. And to get it to your card stack, if he gets it on the card stack of the players, they all lose. And they are getting specific uh, cards and advantages and different ways to slow you down and and all that sort of stuff. Um, You can complete Dracology spells. You can... It's... Look... You know me, Jake. You and I are on opposite sides of this fence. The fantasy theme, mm-hmm. the fantasy theme, not only does nothing for me, but it tends to draw me away from projects. I just, I yep. look at it, and I'm like, oh, come on, can't you do something else? Uh, whereas you, that's that, that's a selling that pulls point. Pulls me right in. Yeah,
1: I see that imagery on the cover, and I'm like, okay, let's see what it's about.
0: And yet, for some reason. This one's tickling my funny bone. I kind of like it. I I don't. Hey, like it. all right. You know, it, it may be the whiz war of it. You know, I'm uh, I'm a huge original whiz war player. That's you know, I have I have the the glossy done up pretty yeah. version, and it's just it all the joy is sucked out of it. I still have the old version with the card the the paper cards that are almost falling apart and disintegrating. You know, yep. the horrible art on the tiny little, you know, cardboard chits that represent your character. I love that game. I love that game so much. I have laughed so hard for so many years of that game that, you know, talk about nostalgia. It, it fills me with joy. And I have to say, looking at Rush Out, it looks a little bit like that game. There's something about it that says to me this could play that way. This could play with a lot of fun and a lot of excitement. And one versus many is always great, right? I mean, just imagine—you know—once uh, again, let's go. Well, to par- you need the
1: right group. Yes, you need the right group. You do. People. Otherwise, it could be a disaster. But yes, I agree with you. It does look fun. I'm looking at it now, and I got to say, it, it, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, and,
0: and and you know, there aren't too many games in which you're in which one player is playing against all of the other players. And mm-hmm. there's there's fun in that. I mean, it, you know, Avalon essentially comes down to that, right? It comes down to two players yep. or three players playing against five or so uh, others, and only one team can win. And there is there is great great joy and great great tension in that. That doesn't happen any other way. So take a look take a look at that. the The, the makers of Magic Maze is is pretty high praise because they made a they made a an, a monster of a game. And if Rush Out is anything like that. Uh, we should, we should be looking for that. October 2020 is the release date. I believe that is the release date in Europe. So it's another one of those Essen uh, specials. Uh, but be on the lookout for it. Um, All right. And then just a couple more things. Uh, Dinosaur World we talked about a couple weeks ago. Well, guess what? Dinosaur Island, Roar and Write. R-A-W-R and Write. It's going to be a roll-and-write <laughs> version. This is the roll and write. I don't know why, but it seems like everybody decided this year, hey, let's take our popular game and make a roll-and-write out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, the, yeah, they, they made that. It's exactly what it sounds like, and uh, if that's into you. And last but not least, one more roll-and-write we're going to talk about, which is uh, special for Maddie. Maddie, there is a super skill pinball for k uh Roll the dice, ricochet around uh, thematic pinball tables, and uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> this hey,
1: is, if ever there was something made perfect for him,
0: right? Yeah, the designer is Jeff Engelstein, and uh, you know, this is this is no no joke. He did uh, Space Cadets, he did uh, The Expanse, he did uh, was some of the Survive games. He's a he's a real good designer, knows what he's doing, and uh, yeah super skill pinball 4K. Uh, seems like Maddie is going to be getting that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think that's it for the for the for the news. Uh, yeah, we get something else, but we can hold that for for another week. Next time, yeah, exactly right. Uh, let's just go to games on the brain. <laughs> Games on the brain. Jake, what's on your brain this week? Games
1: on the brain. Well, honestly, the games on my brain were the games that we'll be talking about in our segment. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give stuff away, but I did spend a little time thinking about what we'd be talking about.
0: Okay, okay. So older than old school, some of those classic games. Maybe the games maybe the games you were playing when you were younger and might still hold a special place mm-hmm. in, your, in your heart. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um yep. what about you? Uh, for me, when I heard about uh, about Kyoto coming out, I, I went back and I was looking at the cost again, and the cost really does uh, excite me in, in, in a lot of different ways. It's one of those games where I, I just feel like it's going to be worth my investments to play it many more times. It's like one of those games where I feel like it could be deep enough that ten plays in, I'm going to discover new things about the game mm-hmm. that I didn't realize before. Mm-hmm. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, there's also a game I didn't mention it in in the news, but uh, Bios Mega is going to be coming out. Uh, another game in the in the Bios trilogy and and uh, the last Bios game that that came out um, we own and I have never played it. And I, I mm. got out the rule book of that this week and was just looking that over and god it looks so dense and so heavy and
1: right and, up your alley. And
0: difficult and tricky and I'm um absolutely obsessed with it.
2: <laughs> 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 I'm <was> trying <laughs> to
0: play it. Now it is it is a uh, Phil Eklund design and, and I got some, some problems with with Phil um Especially with regard to you know Kyoto, with regard to climate change and and that sort of stuff, and so mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to get Mesofauna, but gosh, the ones that I already have bought and uh, I I own, I, I kind of want to play them and and check them out. So that's Nothing the other wrong thing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I too have been thinking about older than old school games. Our topic this week. Uh, it was a real it was a real nostalgia trip. But then I was also like, okay. You know, I'm, I, as I said, with Wiz War, I'm susceptible. I'm susceptible to nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to separate out the nostalgia as best I can and figure out, is this actually any good?
2: You know, and, right.
0: and, and I think over, the, over time, I've been pretty good about being able to do that. Like, I, I think WizWar stands up. I think it's not perfect. It is, a, it is a random chaos bomb that you throw on the table there's no question about that but as long as you understand that that's what it is it's very enjoyable and works really well uh there are other games oh. that i used to play you know games like uh warrior knights and things like that going back and playing those again i'm like oh no not really good anymore uh the the games that have come since then have taken what i loved about that what felt revolutionary about that back in the day and found much better more elegant ways to do that so
2: mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: that's where we're at. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's what's on my brain right now. Right on.
1: Right on. Very cool.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to... um, I think my next review is going to be with Elder. And I think... Oh, right. I believe we are going to review New Amsterdam, which is a game Mm -hmm. for which he designed the mod on Tabletop Simulator. And I'm looking (laughs) very much forward because... It's sort of like he's, he's stuck a flag in the sand and said, this game is good. I am going to make sure that everyone knows this game is good. I'm going to create a version that you can play. I'm going to, you know, he's really going the, the, the amazing, extra huh? yard, right?
1: Isn't it? Pretty amazing. We got an amazing game group there. They're, they're... We really do. I, I feel, you know, I don't want to say lucky, but yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that it. be to listen to. I can't wait
0: for that. Yeah, totally. That's it for games uh, on the brain. Let's move on to our game review. Tailor of the Tape, we are reviewing a game called Yokohama. It's from 2016. Uh, the designer is Hisashi Hayashi. And the artist is Hisashi Hayashi. And Adam MacGyver and Ryo Naimo. And the publisher is tasty minstrel games we just mentioned them uh, a couple weeks ago when we did diluvia project tasty minstrel Mm -hmm. uh, puts out yokohama and uh this is one of those games that almost slipped under the radar i think people know about it but but probably hasn't got the plays that it should jake you want to you want to tell us the basics of what yokohama is and what it's about
1: Yeah, um, you're you're essentially, okay, so you you broke this down to me beautifully when when we were sitting down to play it, and it's essentially about this amazing time period, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, fried egg brains here on this end, but it's this amazing time period in Japan's history when um, they made this unbelievable leap forward and perhaps for the better or not—that's mm-hmm. to be debated—from um, <laughs> what could almost be called like a Middle Ages society to a modern society. It's c- it's called
0: the Meiji Restoration. Yeah, exactly right.
1: So so thank you. Thank. You. I was going to say pepper in some actual. No, um, no, no. It's it's here, good. But, um,
0: so so it, Japan it, was was very very xenophobic and and they basically shuttered their borders for. Mm-hmm. Not decades, for centuries, they they yeah. isolated themselves. It was
1: like a mystical fey land where nobody
0: had <laughs> ever been. <laughs> um, and when they did that, they were the king. They were the king of the castle. They were about yeah. as as technologically advanced and sophisticated a society as ever you would have. And then yep. an incident happened where I believe it was an American battleship uh, or destroyer pulled into Edo Harbor, to, to- Tokyo Harbor, and. Yeah,
1: it was like aliens landing on the planet.
0: Yes, yes. And so being the Japanese and who they are, they said, well, uh, clearly we've made some mistakes. We're going to have to (laughs) engage with the rest of the world because they are lapping us. And we're going to have to, you know, for our own survival, uh, we're going to have to ramp up and
1: that's th- right it's chestnut checkers
0: that's right and that's what yokohama is yokohama is about the meiji period and we are playing uh, merchants essentially because what's happening mm-hmm. is is there are you know the world now that we're trading with them they want things that we have things like copper and yep. silk and stuff like that and yep. they're they're giving us orders you know that 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 we can fulfill and make more money and get more prestige and at the same time we're using that to build up our own society right
1: Absolutely. It's it's really kind of cool, I think. It's very cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit.
0: Um, so let's talk about the, the game and and how it is. is. Is it played on a board, Jake?
1: Well, not exactly. It's sort of a piecemeal board, so to speak. There's lots of little mini boards. If there's a term for that, I don't know it. But it, it sort of all comes together on the table. Of course, we played it on... Um, Oh gosh, what's the name of that uh, site? Tabletop Board Game Arena.
2: Board Game board Arena. Board Game
1: Arena. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, and it's sort of a simulation, um, but we did discuss briefly how it would lay out in real life, because of course you played it that way, and it, it's not—it's not like a, its not like one big board. It's more like lots of little stations. Exactly right.
0: And one of the great things about that is that each game the board looks completely different. And mm-hmm. depending on where some of these buildings are
1: can radically change the way a game plays. Um, Absolutely, because a lot of the gameplay has to do with sort of um, not exactly area control at all. It's more like you're, you're mapping your you're, – you're making moves that you have to make actual moves to get to certain places in order to do certain maneuvers.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So um, the, the way an average turn would go – is the first thing you're going to do is you get to take a bonus action at the beginning Mm -hmm. and at the end of your turn. We'll get into that in a minute. And then when you take your regular action, you're going to put out assistants. You're either going to put out two assistants in any one location or you're going to put three assistants out, one each in a different location. And then once you've done that, you're going to move the president of your company. The president of your company is a regular pawn. The other ones are just little cubes. And when yep. you move your uh, when you move your president, he has to move to a place that has an assistant, and not only right, that. Because,
1: um, the way you described it to me is that you're like the the path that you're mapping with your assistants leads to where you hope to put your president, such that you can take that action.
0: Exactly, exactly. So so not only do you, it, is the the place you're going to end up with the president have to have an assistant, but all the places in between on the road to that place has to have an assistant.
1: Exactly. You can't just jump from one to the other.
0: Which creates a really interesting spatial puzzle, doesn't it?
1: It does, especially when you take into account that the other people are doing that too, and there are consequences for other people being in your way. Yes.
0: If somebody else's president is in your way, you got to pay them a yen just to move through where they are. Ah. Absolutely, and if somebody's
1: president is where you want to end up, too bad for you. Can't go there. Exactly right. Can't go there.
0: Very, very tight game money-wise, too. One yen yeah. doesn't sound like a lot. Boy, oh boy, one yen killed me last game. Just killed me. <laughs> and it was Jake. Yeah. It was always Jake, the last game we played. It
1: was me, but to be fair, can we just tell the world here that... It was purely through a misunderstanding and not a good understanding of what I was doing. It's not like I was a devious, like, ooh, I'm gonna eff him up real good by going here. No, 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 no. It was like, what little thing can I achieve in my first play? And then just randomly, and I guess, haha for me, that I messed them up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, when you move the president, wherever the president ends up, that is the building you're going to activate, and that is the action that you're going to take. Uh, there are lots of different buildings, they do lots of different things. Um, the most common one would be the resource uh, gathering buildings, right? So, there is a yeah, building. Exactly right. There are two buildings for fish, there is a building for tea. There is a building mm-hmm. for uh, copper, and there is a building for silk, and
1: what? Sure. And what- of course, all of these help in completing the orders, which is only a small portion of the overall game, but it's a portion that I focused on because it seemed like the easiest access into some of the play.
0: Yeah, and a lot of points. A lot of points are going to be gained through fulfilling those foreign orders. Foreign mm-hmm. orders will be, you know, cards that are available to you that you have to go to the port or to the dock, and yep. you have to acquire those cards, and when you acquire those cards, they're going to allow you and only you to fulfill that. So this one says, I need to turn in one silk, two copper, and four sh- fish. And if I right. do that, I'm going to get these rewards. I'm going to get nine fame, and I'm going to get two uh, imported goods or something along, uh, or things along sure. those so it's lines. It's
1: a bit right. of a moving puzzle because not only do you have to actually move to get the components to fill that reward you also have to do the timing right because it, it, you know what this game reminds me of which in my mind i think of all the time with a lot of the games we play is uh, the guy that keeps the plates spinning on the post <laughs> and you, you gotta like have a lot of different things keeping moving because otherwise you get passed by or stuff drops and you can't you can't really do anything
0: yeah yeah and part of that is managing those assistants remember i said At the beginning of your turn, you're going to put two assistants in one space or you're going to put one assistant in three different spaces. Um, What I didn't say is that when your president lands on a space and that's the, the action they're going to take, the number of assistants that are on that space with him plus him equal how powerful an action he can take. Each exactly. action space has a slot for one action, two actions, three actions, four actions, or five actions. In order to do five actions, you would have to have four assistants there and your president. Or you can also build a building there. You could build a shop house, or you could build a trading mm-hmm. post there. If you have a trading post or a shop house, essentially you own that space. That space is, you know, you have you have a vested interest in that location. And whenever you take an action there, it counts as an extra Extra assistance there. Essentially.
2: Yeah, so it's
1: a permanent plus one to whatever you know action you want to take there.
0: Right. So the T space, for instance, uh, one gets you one T, two gets you two T, so on and so forth. Um, once you get up to the four level, though, the four level it would uh, allow you to get four T per se. So just as an example, I think it's actually three, but let's let's say it's let's say it's four. Mm-hmm. Plus, once you're at the four level. That's the level where it allows you to build a shop house or a, sure. a trading post in that location. Sure. In order to do Which that, though. Which
1: is why it's so important to, like, balance out whether or not you're building your route to a spot or whether mm-hmm. you're going to, like, amass your guys there so as to activate that power because it all starts to, you know, multiply in your favor if you do it right.
0: And the worst part. The worst part is that once you take that big action, once you have your four assistants there and you take that level five action, what happens
1: to those assistants, Jake? Yeah, well, this is where it gets tricky because uh, it, there's uh, – tell me if I'm getting this right, but either they go back to your hand yes. or they're stuck there. Remind me because there was two different things that back to your brought hand. me up a few
0: times. Yeah, you had you had you had unlocked a technology or special power that allowed you to or me, I did that kept uh, kept people on the board. But generally all those assistants in the location that you have activated come back into your hand.
1: They go back, right. Okay, that's what I thought. Which is
0: yeah. fine because you want to be putting guys out and changing the routes you can take on the board mm. and changing where you're going to be taking those actions. But it's one of these things where you are constantly, constantly fighting this economy of your assistance. I don't have enough assistance to place this turn, or I don't have enough assistance out on the board right now. Right.
1: And there was a spot, I think, that unlocked further assistance. Am I right?
0: Yes, there is. Yes. There's a, there's a spot on the board that allows you to go into your warehouse, which is your own personal card right. that you have in front warehouse. of you. Right, right. And the warehouse is going to allow you to unlock uh, more assistance which are free, Uh, Mm shop houses, which cost two each, or trading posts, which cost four, five, six, uh, respectively, for the first, second, or third one that you unlock. Uh, Trading posts... But, of course, you
1: have to be really careful with your momentum because if you take the time to go get more guys, you may have missed the wave on what you needed them for.
0: Precisely right. Precisely right. Uh, some of the other buildings, there's a uh, technology space that you can go to, and when you do that, you're unlocking technologies. There are five technologies available at any given moment, and uh, they have varying costs, and more assistance means you can afford the more expensive technologies some of them just offer lots of victory points like 10 victory points but some mm-hmm. of them offer bonuses that will happen for the rest of the game like one is every time you build a shop house anywhere you're going to get a coin you're going to get a yen uh, for that Right. So right, right, building right, shop right. houses suddenly becomes an economy thing for you, and you can make money doing that. Another one that, that I had was um, every time you uh, use your president in a space, you can leave one of your assistants behind. You don't have to yeah, take the them all. The variable
1: engine building here is pretty impressive. There's so many different routes you can go to really get your machine working. Exactly. Exactly
0: so. Um, So another thing that starts the game is there are objectives. There are objective cards in in the game, and and each game will feature three of those. There's a a fairly decent stack of them, so you're never going to play the same game twice, and they basically say they're they're the races to acquire, to do these conditions. The last game we played, Mm -hmm. one of them was um, have uh, 7T. If you have 7T acquired... um, and you're the first person to do that. Guess what? You're going to get nine victory points for doing that. Everybody else yeah. can get six victory points or seven victory points uh, when they do it, but the first person is going to get that that uh, that ec- those extra points for that.
1: Sure, it's you know a certain incentive reward for certain kinds of engines.
0: Exactly. Exactly right. Um, there was yeah. another one that was uh, technologies. If you, if you've built four different technologies, you're going to get ten points and eight points for anybody else that does it after the first person that that, that did it. And so I and so.
1: feel like this is a really good example of a game where you could play it a hundred times and it would never be the same. And you know what? I think like, that's
0: exactly right. Yeah, yeah,
1: because it just has so many variable branches for you to you know maneuver throughout. I mean. It, I I sort of saw that after a few minutes of playing this, that like you could, it's like a fractal pattern of, you could have an idea of what you're trying to achieve, but there's Mm. so many variables that you have to be really flexible to to sort of change with the changes that happen to you.
0: 100%. 100%. It is one of those, it's a really, really interesting game. Um, There's something that I really love in, in certain games. Um, The game I'm thinking of right now is Gaia Project. Gaia Project, mm-hmm. when you are playing Gaia Project at a higher level, like at a, at yeah. a reasonably high level, when you are deciding – you have to decide which race, which alien race you're going to play, right? Um, yep. Th- that decision is crucial because the, the races play very, very differently and have different strengths and weaknesses. And there are, uh, And the things, the factors you need to factor in, deciding what race to play would boggle your mind.
1: You have to. Yeah, look it's almost too many to really decode back to its origin.
0: Almost, but not because you really can. <laughs> you you look at the 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 map changes every game, right? The planets and yep. the one, ones that are closer yeah. to each other. You look at that and say, "Oh, it looks like the white planets and the red planets have an advantage in this map." So the white, so the the races that are white. Oh, Jesus. How did I get myself into this well, trouble? Uh, the the white aliens and the red color. aliens, the white <laughs> aliens and the red aliens have an advantage. But then I have to look over at the technology tracks and I have to see what yeah. technologies are are in which columns, and that is gonna gonna change that. Then I have to look at what are the what score points each round in the game, and what are the two end game victory point things that we're going for. Each one of those. Suggests a different alien is better than a than than uh, the, a, alien A is better than alien B or alien C is better than alien A and so on and so forth and figuring that out is a real real challenge and it just shows the depth it's of the game a lot
1: of information to process
0: yeah and this game is very much like that because all of those buildings are going to change each game the the order that they're in where they are they're going to be dealt out at random flipped up. And you're going to see a very different map. And as we discussed, moving your president around to various spots can be extraordinarily easy if the complementary locations you want to go to are right near each other, or possibly difficult if they're on opposite sides
1: of the map. Forcing yeah, the economy of strategy. motion is intense. You yes. got to really think it through.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And then in addition, those those. Uh, uh, Victory point. Those uh, victory point conditions that you're you're aiming for that Mm -hmm. changes the game each turn, each uh, each game that you play. The starting technologies that are out there, the starting uh, contracts that are on the 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 dock and uh, and on the port are going to radically change what strategy you should be going for. And then just this is
1: a good example of a game that reminds me how impressed I am with game creators because, like, trying to decode is one thing, but coding it in the first place is like, who are these people? They're some kind of crazy genius.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, what about the what about the art and presentation? How did you feel about that in this game?
1: I give it a C minus. Okay. C plus, C minus. The artwork is, as you know, um, to me, very important. But I, I, th- let me put it to you this way. The game was so fun that it didn't. Kind of matter to me as much, hmm, okay. but did I actually think that the artwork itself was great? Not really. It's it's just okay. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> let's put this in perspective. It's way better than I could draw. Yeah. But as far as my own, what I would be like, whoa, this was beautiful. Not really.
0: Gotcha. Not I really. I kind of like it. It's it's got a it's got a very mannered Japanese style to it. In that yeah, it's I mean, it's very yeah, simple. It it's very simple and very clean. Um, the iconography is very clear, which, when you're considering a, a game which has four or five main resources, and then we didn't even talk about we we didn't even get into the the countries uh, aspect of this, yeah. which we should we should yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. briefly. There's a lot of information to parse, and it is very clearly delineated in this game.
1: That's true, but that wasn't exactly what you asked. No, it's I'm true. Thinking it was about true. how does the artwork actually look? Yep. You yep. know, it's okay. Did it do a good job? Yeah, it did a really good job.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not tremendously atmospheric.
1: It's exactly. Pr- it's, it's pretty, not the most but not atmospheric. Thing you'll ever see. You know, but yep. but it works really well. Yeah. At no point was I did I have to stop and say, wait a second, where is the tea house or whatever? You know what I mean? So yes. It did its job for sure.
0: So let's talk about those, uh, those foreign influence markers. Yeah. Go. So, yeah. So Meiji Restoration, right? The, these are a people that have not had any foreign influence in their country for decades, hundreds of years in actuality, right? And now all of a sudden they're getting this foreign influence in. And the game uh, reflects that by giving you foreign influence markers. Essentially what this is what this is, is um, whenever you get a technology – or whenever you fulfill a contract right for a, a foreign mm-hmm. delivery, you are acquiring a flag. The, the card yep. itself has a flag on it. So yep. I send all of this copper and this silk to America, and I have yep. an American flag now. If I then okay. get the telephone technology... And that's also an American invention. All of a sudden, I have two American flags. The moment you have two flags of the same country, you get a foreign influence marker. And that comes uh, that comes to you. It's basically, a foreign mercenary, I think, is what the game calls it. It's weird because I don't think mercenaries are what what the game it really no, represents. No, that's not
1: quite the best name for it. But 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 continue. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: that marker is a very powerful thing. What that is is basically anytime time, like I said, at the beginning and end of your turn, you're going to have an extra action that you can take. Extra actions are things like uh, fulfill orders. So you can mm-hmm. fill an order any anytime It doesn't take an action to, to do that all that sort of stuff. But it also is, do you want to use one of these foreign influence markers? And if you do, you get to take a whole nother turn. The, yeah. the turn does not require you to move your president. You don't get the benefit of the president either. But any other space that you have on the board where you have those assistants – you can take that action as well with that foreign assistance. And in a
1: game this tight, clearly that's a huge benefit.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, I think in the last game, neither you nor I did that particularly well. No, I And didn't. I think our dear friend Ben... But we ben, both
1: did get the... Oh, go ahead, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, our dear friend Ben used that to, to great effect. He knew how to yes, chain yes. those actions.
1: He, he crushed it. Um, what I was going to say when I was rudely interrupting you is we both did achieve... In fact, maybe all three of us did. I don't remember... The one where if you fulfill a contract for every single nation,
2: right? yes, then you
1: get um, what did they call it? What do you get when you do that? I forget the term for it.
0: Um, it's huge, huge points at the end of the game. I think it's something like uh, there are five nations, and if you uh, have contract, if if you have uh, those foreign influence markers from all five, yeah, or or if you have flags from all five, you're going to get something like. Uh, 16 16 victory points 12 if you have yeah. four eight if you have three so on and so forth yeah yeah, yeah something yeah. along those lines so you're collecting sets of those yeah let's talk about victory mm-hmm. points let's talk about how you score victory points Um, completing contracts scores victory points almost every single time you complete contracts so that's a, a lot Which of victory is points basically that you had my
1: entire game that first place right? <laughs> um, like that was <laughs> that was the toehold I could get into this game honestly yeah was just that mechanic of like okay when I can, Go get a contract. When I can, go get the resource. Fulfill the contract. Hey, look at that! I played the game.
0: You scored like ninety points. You did quite well. I oh, think. I did. You know. No,
1: I did okay. I did yeah. okay. I mean, again, it was a casual gamer's, you know, first play at this very complex game. But um, I think it would be a good way for somebody who was like me to sort of get access to something as complex as this, because sure. that much, at least, wasn't so hard to really figure out. That part, at least, was, and and quite frankly, enjoyable. I mean, yeah, you know, the idea of having a a goal and achieving it over and over within the game kept the game going for me as opposed to some games where like if the if the goal is so convoluted and so many complex steps to achieve at the very end, mm-hmm. I and people like me might lose a little interest and steam along the way. Right. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Um, victory, yeah. uh, victory points can also be gotten through technologies. They score victory mm-hmm. points a lot of times, and then Which at the end did, of the, right?
1: you had some technology.
0: I did. I played the technology game. I did pretty well. Yeah. You did. Uh, the yep. The victory points you get from that are also bolstered by at the end of the game, the person with the most technologies gets another victory point bonus, and the second place gets so on and so forth. There are also locations on the board. There is the church, and there is the customs house, and by going to these places in the church. Um, you are getting faith influence, essentially, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. Shinto or whatever, I'm not sure what what, what faith we're talking about here, but you can donate to the church. So extra resources that you have yeah. You, you turn over of to the church learning. to get mm-hmm. bigger bonuses. Those score a lot of points in the church. And then the church also gives you points at the end of the game for the person that has the most influence in the church. And the same thing for the custom house. The custom house uh, is uh, – you, you, there are foreign goods that come into the country uh, through trading usually is almost always the way it works and when you get yep. these foreign goods they can be turned into the customs house for some big big points as well and then once again that scores at the end of the game as well so there's mm-hmm. lots, lots of different lots of different avenues to get your points you're probably it, it is going to be a trading game to some degree so so i don't think it's possible to avoid uh getting resources and trading them in. I don't think that's that's something you can't do because too many of the points yeah. come through that system.
1: Not unless you, you know, if you want to win, you gotta
2: participate
0: in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like we said, those flags, collecting sets of flags gets you a lot yep. of points in the game. Um yep. the person who does the best you know does the best with the same resources that everyone else has who's who's taking his actions wisely who is moving his president well who is placing his assistance smartly who is zagging when everyone else is is zigging and going for the rewards that uh, that are not being fought over or or mm-hmm. uh, or 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 captured is going to win this game uh so final thoughts what what's your what's your what's your final uh, verdict on uh yokohama
1: I, I give this one a big thumbs up i i realized pretty right away after ben's teach and you know two or three moves into it that this was one of those games where if this is the only game i ever played i could see getting at least better at it if not good at it and it, it's complex enough for those who need that 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 it could be fun over and over and it's not so complex at least in the teach that someone like a casual gamer could get into it to enjoy it um, and not get lost in it. You know, like I saw what you guys were doing. I don't think I could do what you guys were doing, at least not on the first play. But it's there and it's it's really well crafted. I, I had a lot of fun playing it. I would definitely recommend.
0: Totally. Um, yeah, I think the teach of the game is not sh- the shortest, which is unfortunate it wasn't because the I think
1: shortest. Because but I, if you've got someone who knows what they're doing, then uh, uh, you know what. If you've ever been taught other games before,
2: mm. then
1: I agree that this this teach wasn't so bad. But if this was your first game that you ever played in this genre, like of you know board games, and someone sat you down and was like, "Hey, I'm going to teach you a new fun game," and then spent that much time laying that information, you, there there'd be no way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I guess what I mean by that is that the game is actually quite uh, easy to understand. When you start playing the game, a couple turns in, you're like, oh, I get it. I see what this game yeah. is. I know how to play. I'm, I'm good. Uh, the, yeah. the, the, there, are, there are enough things that need to be taught, though, before you start play that the teach isn't as short as, as I wished it was because I think that this is a very accessible game. I think this is a mm-hmm. game that plays that plays medium heavy or, or at least at least heavy medium. Let's say that. Yeah, heavy uh, medium is what I would
1: say. Yeah. Coming from a very medium to light yeah. viewpoint.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 different than the way like it, it it it's it's easy to play like the the actual play of the game feels kind of medium. The level of strategy is yeah. is heavier yeah. than is heavier than that. There's a lot that's going into it. There's a lot of good tough choices. A hundred percent
1: agree with the way you just put that. The actual things you're doing, yeah. not so difficult. But the 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 strategy and thought behind them is pretty pretty intense.
0: Yeah. And when we talk about, you know, about really, really solid euros of the last, you know, five to ten years, Yokohama doesn't really get mentioned. We don't really uh, bring it up. It's, it's one of those that's almost slipping through the cra- cracks. I think, mm-hmm. look, before COVID, we were reviewing the next new hotness that we would have at the table. One of the, one of the blessings of COVID is that uh, the pipeline has slowed down. Right, we're not not sipping from a fire hose anymore, and we're actually finding time to go back a little bit and find games like Deluvia Project, to find games like Yokohama, games that that really people kind of missed on the first go around, and. I'm really, really happy that we got it, that we got a chance to talk to everybody about it because Yokohama is a great game. It really, really is. solid, And it's unique enough. It's, it is significantly different than a lot of other, uh, of other games of its, of its type. Um, and it's a it's a japanese designer i think that the japanese are turning out some kind of amazing products and if i was to guess in the next decade where the next big boom in great game design is going to come from there's a very good chance that it is going to come from from countries like uh, like south korea uh, japan and uh, and china and of those Three, maybe Japan the most. I think that, that the Japanese game design is advancing in leaps and bounds, and they're coming up with some really great designs. And Yokohama just, just, shows, uh, just shows how original, how unique, and, and, and really how solid their, their game design is.
1: Mm-hmm. What about all those amazing games coming out of North Korea, though? Look at
0: that. Oh, so <laughs> good. So good. Uh, blow- oh, my God. Yeah, Shell Your Uncle is my favorite. That's my <laughs> favorite. That's really good. I mean, basically it's just mine hunter, but, you know, you're the you're the one running around in the minefield. Uh still pretty,
1: pretty yeah, good. no, th- this is a great game and I'm I'm Super glad this is what we chose to, to review.
0: It is available through Tasty Minstrel Games. I think it's out there and available right now. Last last time I checked, was, it was a little while ago when we were talking about doing this. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be it should be available out there. I think it's a great great find. Highly highly recommend Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on. Here we go, Jake. We are going to talk about the older old school games. Start me off. Tell me what we're doing here.
1: Okay, so as you said, my number one choice on my favorite games was Scrabble. And I gotta say, even though I still love it as an adult, I think one of the reasons I loved it is because this is one of the first games I learned, honestly. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say like, quote unquote, as a writer, but like, as a person who loves words, mm-hmm. this game checks all the boxes for me. It, it's, it's a puzzle, but it's a puzzle that has to do with words. And... I think that uh, perhaps the idea that, um, that that it was ingrained in me at a young age when words were still fresh and new, that, mm-hmm. that had a lot to do with it. I mean, if I'd never seen this game before and came to it now, I, I don't know if it would be as, <laughs> as into it as I am because of that. Um, but it was definitely one of my dad's favorites and my grandmother's favorite as well. Uh, she was a Scrabble champion who would like go around the country winning tournaments and I think it just got passed down through the blood. Really? Um, I did yeah, know that. That's yeah, and, uh, you know, we're all, that side of my family is, is quite wordy and gamey. Um, way before there was such a thing as, like, you know, a hobby. But, you know, I think a lot of the people from that generation would play games and card games, much like you do with your wife and, and friends. Yeah. Um, though not many of us do nowadays, really, as, like, a thing that couples would do as, like, a married, grown-up couple. Now, um, Jake. Um, but yeah, top of my list is is definitely Scrabble.
0: I have seen um, I I have seen online videos of Scrabble Grand Championships and mm-hmm. watching the commentators <laughs> look at a person draw six tiles, lay them out on their uh, on their tile mat or whatever. And yep. instantly, like in one second later, oh, he's got uh, uh, yep. onom- he's got onomatopoeia. Oh, let's see if he sees it. Oh, yes, he does. He sees it. Onomatopoeia is going to be a triple word score. And, blah, 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 and all this stuff. We're like, what is going on? It's like in one second, they immediately uh, analyze and see exactly what's go- going on here. It, it was it's the most
1: amazing thing that you can do. And you know what? I think any game player in in our hobby who can contemplate and do well at some of the games that you love, Mm -hmm. if they devoted even a tenth of the attention to a game like Scrabble, they'd be masters in like a week. Because honestly, what is it? It's just uh, a lexicon. Like how many words do you know? That's really all it is. And then it's just about, you know, unscrambling, which I think is pretty low level compared to some of the decoding you would do even for a game like Yokohama. you know, you're given these random letters and you start on decoding and and you just match that against the the words in your brain. And then you're looking for places to put them and you're looking for places that won't open up spots for the next person. So there's a little bit of, you know, multiplayer solitaire in a way. But um, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's something that really scratches an itch for me. Like I can play it on a level of like I'm really trying and I can play it on a level where I'm totally zoned out.
0: Um, I've been told, and, and I think a
1: lot of people agree with that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've been told that to be a really great Scrabble player, the first thing that you have to know, you know, in terms of you're saying anybody can play competitively pretty quickly, or or at least competently pretty quickly. Um, but my understanding is is that one of the secrets to good Scrabble play is knowing all the two-letter words, because if you do absolutely. that, then you're Any not losing. Player does, yeah, right. How many of those two-letter words do you know? Because my understanding is, is that in the 6th edition of the Scrabble Player's Dictionary, there are 107 two-letter, legitimate legal two-letter words.
1: You know, that's funny, because while I consider myself a pretty competent player, mm-hmm. not only did I not know that number, I don't know off the top of my head how many I have memorized, but I could tell you this. If I see two letters in a row, I know if it's a word or not.
2: Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so you, does that
1: help Like that's the way my brain works. I don't have a list that I can like, say. <laughs> oh, there's this many, or oh, I can like rattle them off to you. But when I'm looking, I, I know if it's a two letter word or not. So I'd say I probably know quite a few of them.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: All right, a book called um, Word Freak, which really gets into the tournament's Play of Scrabble that I would absolutely recommend to anybody who's interested in it. Um, and it's it's a pretty interesting read uh, in its own right about a, um, uh, basically a, a reporter who wants to get into Scrabble and, and sort of get into the world of it. and it's it's really quite a quite a fun book. gives oh, you a really good uh, idea of the whole world of it. Good to know.
0: Um, do you uh, are you a Scrabble purist or is Words for Friends an acceptable alternative?
1: You know, I ha- I do play Words with Friends, and I play it mostly because eh, I- I've tried the Scrabble uh, app and I've and I've tried the Words with Friends app, and they're pretty much interchangeable. I mean, they made a few differences. Some words are acceptable that aren't in the other one, and you make those additions. There's a few more tiles in one than the other, but it's 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 essentially the same. I would say okay. they're equivalent, and so I don't I don't say that I'm a purist. If you like Words with Friends. Then I would just say, "Oh, you like travel,
0: right?" Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. All right. Um, that's a that's a word game. Such so that's that's one of the types. Of, one of the types of games that we play. Boggle would be the much simpler version. Boggle,
1: yes, sir. Boggle is on my list of uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I came up with eight games from my childhood that definitely define where my gaming, you know, path began, and Boggle is right on that list.
0: Tell me, talk to me, tell me these these games.
1: Well, I mean, again, it's, it's a word puzzle where you're just trying to find as many words as you can before the other person. It's got a little bit of a time element, which I don't particularly love.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: of all the games that have to do with words, Boggle, I think, is unique in a way that it's, it's got a bit of a random factor for every time you, you, know, you smack the lid.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And th- there's something, the fact that you can go in more than just one direction that I think is really interesting because it, it gives you the ability to, to look at the letters in, in more than one, you know, in Scrabble, of course, you can't go backwards right? or, or, or turn a corner or anything. Um, but that was a game we had in my house. And it was definitely something that if you play will help your Scrabble game because, you know, word recognition and pattern recognition is a big part of it. Sure. sure, it's, not the, sure. it's not the greatest game in the world, but it's on my list of old schools that uh, that I enjoyed from back in the day.
0: Yeah, I, I played it not too long ago at my uh, my brother's
1: house with his kids. Does it hold up? Because I haven't played it since I was like twelve. Yeah, it's it's no
0: Scrabble, but it's yeah. it, uh, but I was surprised by how good it was, and certainly, yep. I, I think for, for for kids who are starting yes. to learn words well, absolutely, uh, it really forces you to you know to to figure out what words are there in this in this jumble. It's pretty good. It's
1: pretty good for that. I think so. It's flexing a certain kind of muscle that not yeah. too many other games really make you flex when it comes to words. 100%. I
0: would I I would not bring it out on a you know in, no. in most occasions. No, neither would
1: I. Neither would I, but it does hold a place in my memory and a little bit of my heart. Cool.
0: What's next? What do you? What else? Uh,
1: so, how, how do you want to do? This? Do you want me to just like rattle off some of these and, and chat a bit about each?
0: This is your you segment. This is your, your segment, sir. I do have some of my own. Do you want me to? Do you want me? To, do you want to go one for one?
1: Let's go one for one, and who knows, maybe we'll have some overlap. I
0: I bet you we might. I bet you we might. Yeah. All right. So for me, one of those old school games that I still love today, and you see it in video games a lot, you see it in, in things like that, uh, is a game called Mastermind.
1: That's on my
0: list. Is it on your list?
1: Is one of yours? It absolutely is. Uh, well, I'm going to let you
0: talk. You take it then. Tell tell no, everyone. No,
1: no, no. Okay. I, no. You go. So, you go. It's
0: so, Mastermind is is a wonderful logic game. It is a logic puzzle that is that is kind of brilliant. One person uh, is the essentially the game master, right? They know what the proper solution is, and the proper solution is there is a pegboard with four or five pegs. And there are several different color pegs that go into each one of the slots, and it is the objective of the guesser to figure out the exact five peg sequence of the absolutely uh, of the proper exactly
1: color. what you said. It, it's a code breaking game.
0: Yes, yes, it is, and the and it has. Uh, It has a language restriction. It has a communication restriction, which a lot of really Mm -hmm. good games have. And the the restriction is this. I will, as the guesser, put five different color pegs in the five slots or, or, you know, some combination thereof. And then the other person is going to put pegs in the top of the board that are going to say either uh, you got – it'll say either you have – a peg or multiple pegs that are the right color and in the right slot, or you have pegs that are the right color but not in the right slot exactly. or or you were miss you have missed so' exactly if my, right so from my first guess, I got a one peg that is the right color and in the right slot, and I got two other pegs that are the right color. I know that of the five things that i 've chosen, three of them are in the ballpark, and two of them Mm -hmm. are completely, completely, those are colors that I don't even have to worry about.
1: Right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And each guess you make, and I forget exactly how many guesses you get, you have to take a new attempt using the information you had from the last attempt and try and get closer and closer to breaking the code.
0: And it's very, very interesting. The The actual logic of it can sometimes be counterintuitive. Like sometimes – Yes, it is. Sometimes having a pretty strong inclination that this one is right, I'm not even going to do that one anymore. I'm going to try something else in that slot because I'm trying to gain more information about the proper colors before I start figuring out the locations or something along those lines. That's
1: right. The changes you make are as important as the changes you don't make. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I remember playing this a lot as a kid. I had this uncle who wasn't an uncle. I had. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. We all have those. It sounds it sounds very eerie the way I just said that. Let me correct it. (laughs) Let me correct that and just say that uh, my father, uh, my father and mother lived in you know before they had me, uh, they lived in an apartment in Brooklyn. And uh, their neighbors were, you know, a lawyer and his and his wife that were, you know, very eccentric, very cool people. And the the lawyer, had, you know, was very got to be very successful, and decided that he was going to build a house out in the Adirondacks. Right? He had a he, he bought a big plot of land on the side of a mountain, and was going to build his house there. And, uh, little known fact, my father was in the army. He was a combat engineer. He was a demolitions expert. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so my father would go up there on, you know, on, on weekends and would blow the hell out of the mountain (laughs) to clear away all of the, the, the rocks and stuff so that he could build his house. And that sounds very therapeutic. Right, yeah, kind of fun. And then once he built this really, really nice house there, we would go up as a as a family and and visit with him. And oh, it was amazing because he had acres and acres of mountains. And you you go up over this hill and down the next ridge, and you can go all the way down to a little mountain river running through it. And mm-hmm. he's just like, "Yeah, go, just knock yourselves out. Uh, if you go too far, you'll hit the electric electric fence, and you know, it's it's yeah. just it's just designed to keep you know animals away. So you can you can touch it; it won't kill you. It'll just It'll just give you a very uncomfortable feeling and, oh, we love pushing each other into that thing. But uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not exactly Brooklyn. Is uh, no,
0: but he was a chess master. He was like a, a very – he was like a ranked chess guy. He was very, very mm-hmm. smart. And before – you know, I always wat- saw chess boards all around the house and always said I would like to play chess. And he's like, okay, you're not ready for chess yet. And he brought – he would bring out Mastermind. And he was like, yeah. once you once you understand this game, then I will start to teach you chess." Nice, which was which was cool because it was true. It was it was it was figuring out patterns and and logic and thinking forward and and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Deduction, yes, very much so. Very good, very good yep. deduction game. What's the next That's game awesome. on your list?
1: Uh, okay, so the next one on my list, um, in no particular order, sure. was backgammon. Ah, oh, backgammon. Which, if we're going older than old school, uh, this one's like five thousand years old. I mean, this one goes all the way back to Mesopotamia, if I'm not mistaken. And,
0: super uh, ancient game, yes.
1: Super ancient game, and this was one we would play mostly in the summers. This was like a summertime game with you know my summer friends because it was a different group of kids during the school year, during the summers. And this is a game that uh, this would take many, many long hours spent, you know, poolside playing this game when we weren't dipping in the water. And um, it's essentially a counting game. I mean, it's, it's a math game. And it's, it's, it's sort of like a, a race in a way. You're trying mm-hmm. to get your pieces around the board before the other player gets their pieces around the board to their home. And it's simple to teach. You could learn it in two seconds. Um, it, it does have the dice components, of course, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a bit of a gambling game because you've got the doubling cube and yes. you start making wagers and risks about how how well you think you're going to do, which is sort of one of the more fun aspects of the game, <laughs> because you can start to really, you know, take a test of the metal of your opponent with that, uh, how confident they feel they are. Um, but that was a game we, we played endlessly and... It's so simple, and yet there is a complexity to it that can be quite enjoyable for someone who wants to put the thought into it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, I I guess this segment is going to be me telling stories to some degree because it's a lot of these have stories, right? Uh, Backgammon was one of my uncle's favorite games. My uncle was my my father's brother, uh, William. He was a very interesting character. He was a polyglot. He spoke, I think, nine languages fluently. And mm-hmm. uh, because of that, uh, he was a uh, Chase Manhattan Bank. He was a senior vice president of Chase Manhattan Bank, and he was an efficiency expert. So they would send him around the world, and he would live for, you know, one to five years in a place. And what he would do is he would get that branch of the bank to work exactly the way the Manhattan central branch of the mm. bank would work, right? He would just, just whip them in the shake, Exactly. And because he spoke the language as well as they did, like a, like a native, uh, you know, he, all the usual tricks, like them talking behind his back and all of a sudden, none of that would work, right? He was, right. He, he understood the culture. He read their, you know, he read the, before he would even go for six months, he'd be reading the local newspapers and stuff like that. So he would be up yep. on the, uh, all that sort of stuff. Really interesting guy. Um, Because he traveled around the world so much, backgammon was actually one of the things that he would play a lot. Um, And he would play because there would be clubs, right? And especially like men's only clubs and things like that where you would go. And they would gamble like lots of money on backgammon. Oh, yeah. There are professional backgammon players in the world. Absolutely, there are. Gus Hansen, one of the great uh, poker players of the last couple decades, began as a high stakes backgammon player. It's one, of these, mm-hmm. it's one of these things because the, what the game really is, it's, the, it's a betting game. And the way, the way it works is you're rolling these dice, and it's kind of random to some degree as to who has an advantage at a given point. And at a certain point, a person will take the doubling cube, and they will turn it to two. So if you were betting $100 on this game, what I have done by, by handing you a cube that has a two on it now is I've said I think I'm beating you right now. If you want to you can either pay me $100 and just concede the game or we can keep playing but now we're playing for $200. That's right. And then you keep playing and then and what have and the person could lose $200 or what happens if the dice turn around a little bit and suddenly they're doing better. They hand you back the cube and now it says 4 on it and it goes up that way it goes to 8 it goes to 16 uh, thirty-two and sixty-four. I really, you know, some of the classic games of backgammon. The the you are doing the doubling cube when you have a very small advantage, right? Because you, 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 I think, I think I've got you here. Let's double it now, right? Yeah. And then I think I have the advantage now. Let's double it now, and you get to these huge sums of money that are put on what you assume is a fifty-five forty-five advantage that you have. In winning the mm-hmm. game, fascinating, fascinating. I, once this I,
1: is, you know, oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I was just going to say once I once I, uh, I learned that that was what the game actually was. I was it, it utterly transformed yeah. in front of my eyes.
1: Absolutely. One of the reasons it's on my list, and one of the reasons I loved it back then is I think this was actually the first game where I understood that a game had rote strategy, and that if you learned those strategies, you were playing at a higher level. Like every other game at that time that I was playing, that was sort of silly. There was nothing to keep in mind. You were just sort of going with the flow and seeing what would happen. Yes. You know, there are moves. There are moves with names, just like there are in chess. And when you start to learn them, it it ups your game.
0: Yes, it absolutely does. Um, Though I will say that like poker, uh, it almost isn't a game if there isn't anything at stake.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's just a counting game.
0: Yes, exactly right. So I 100 agree with that. Yeah. So 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 know that that if it doesn't hurt, it's not backgammon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh,
1: okay, whose turn is it? Uh,
0: it's is my it turn. Me or you. It's my uh, it's my turn now. Th- though I, I seem to have more more to say about yours than <laughs> than I, uh, I do about my everyone own. Everyone
1: listening is enjoying it as much as I am.
0: All right. Uh, my next game is pit. Pit is. Yeah, a it is an amazing game from oh god i think it's from the 1910s or something like that very very old game it's commodities trading when i was a young lad okay. i uh, you know we went into new york city and we went to the stock exchange and saw that and i thought the stock exchange looked pretty exciting you know people yelling at each other and all that sort of stuff but that same day we went to the commodities exchange building and oh my god they it was like one was you know british high tea and the other was the octagon the mm-hmm. commodities trading people were screaming at each other and like jostling each other not going each out of the way when there was a heavy trading going on and there were all these different pits for it right there was the there is the uh, oil pit and there you know the crude pit there was the sure. you know if you've seen trading places you know there there's you yeah. know concentrated orange juice and there's uh, yeah. you know all that sort of stuff well pit plays that game it's a card game in which everyone is dealt a hand of cards and you'll have i have two wheat i have three oats i have two barley i've got this and the other thing and the objective is to trade cards with the other people around the table in order to get a full set to corner the market so to get all right. of the wheat or to get all of the corn or right. whatever and when you right. do wow what
1: a precursor! There's a
0: yes, and when you do, there's a there's an orange bell in the center of the table, and you bang the bell and you say PIP <laughs> and everybody That's screams funny. in agony. It is a game in which you will go hoarse from yelling. Sure. I need three, yeah, I need sure. three, I need three, I'm looking for I'm looking for oats. I need three, 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 three. And you're trying to trade with the right people and get the right th- and, and and get the right things astonishing and then there's another there's a variant of it which is silent where you can own where which i think that playing the game loud is great but every once in a while switching it up by a silent round where all you could do is throw fingers in people's face to indicate what you want and try to get their Mm -hmm. and try to get their attention um it is one of those. It was my first real time game to some degree because even though it doesn't have a timer, it does have a timer because everyone's racing to get the last couple things that they need in order to win the game. There's also another uh, aspect to the game, which there are two special cards you can add into the game: the bull and the bear. If you have the bull, uh, you can get extra points by getting your your full set. But if you get the bear and you're stuck with the bear when somebody else calls pit. Uh, you lose extra points so there's there's kind of a uh, a thing nobody wants that's in trading which gives a little more sting to the trades uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: you've never played Pit? I never played it, which is weird because it feels like something that should have been right in that you know Obra of all the games I played growing up. It sounds great.
0: yeah holds up by the way totally holds up still yeah, a, yeah, yeah. still a great little filler game. we could play it at a, at a game night and I think it would I think it would still go over really really well.
1: That's a good one, man. I like it. What you got? Um, all right. Well, I'll follow you with one of ones on my list, which is eerily uh, very similar, called Spit,
2: oh, and yeah. <laughs> it's
1: also a speed speed based card game. Yep. Um, which is almost entirely for children. I can't imagine playing it as a grown up exactly. But um, you you've got it's basically a card game where there's cards out in the middle, and you've got a hand, and you're trying to um, get as many cards as you can, and you know you you do this by throwing down a card that's either bigger or smaller than the card that's on the table. And it can only be up one or down one. And as soon as your cards are completely out, you have to smack the pile and yell spit. And quite a few red hands uh, came out of that game <laughs> because of course, you know, it balances out. I'm sure there's some kind of algorithm a person could deduce afterwards that says how even it would always come out, but there was a lot of slapping at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and, uh, and jammed fingers sore, sore palms and sore backs of hands on that one.
0: Yeah. I jammed my finger once playing spit really, really bad. There you
1: go. (laughs) There was a a game similar um, that we played in college called Egyptian Rat Death that uh, sort of reminded me of that game as a kid where it was was similar but different but also with smacking, um, which just gives me this idea of how young we really were in college because the idea of playing this game as an adult is just beyond me.
0: Now let's but, call this a uh, let's but, call this a playing yeah. card game, right? This is a playing card game. There are a lot of yeah. different playing card games. Do you think have you played Spit recently? Do you think that it still holds up in comparison to other I have other- not
1: played Spit since I was you know, double digits like 10, 11, 12, 13, probably mm. not even 13.
0: Mm. Gotcha.
1: I don't uh, yeah, so a long time.
0: My guess is that it probably does still hold up. I think that you know, there, there. Should we, should we divert for a second and talk about playing card games to some degree?
1: Sure, sure. Why not?
0: Okay. Have you ever played cribbage? That's the one
1: with only the... one time actually. I, I, it was taught to me, mm-hmm. and then I never played it again.
0: Solid game. Still very solid game. Like very interesting. Well, good strategy. A lot of thought that has to go into it. Uh, very, very solid. Um, Bridge. If you've played Tichu, you have played a, a very right. simple version of bridge to some degree. Mhm. Um, bridge is
1: There's a lot of trick-taking games that uh, are yeah. like uh, well, similar to bridge anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah,
1: They're yeah. all fantastic, I find.
0: Hearts and Spades, both really really good. Hearts and spades. Absolutely. As as Jennifer pointed out, she said there is black spades and white spades and they have different rules. And by that she meant racially. There, there is a there, that uh, that the black people play a version of space that have different rules than the than the version white people play. Didn't How really, didn't realize no, that. I, but then I looked into it and it I was like, oh, you know what? Yes, they are. They're they're fundamentally uh, uh, different games in some ways. But they're both very interesting. Hmm. Hearts was more more my game. I loved uh, Hearts. It was mm. a real real battle. And then, uh, you know, then you get games like Whist and Gin Rummy, which are just real classics of the uh, of the.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, of my list, I only have two card games on that. One is Spit, which almost isn't a card game at all, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one, which is near and dear to my heart, is Rummy 500.
0: Rummy 500. Now, uh, the difference between Gin, Gin Rummy, and Rummy 500... Uh, is Rummy Five Hundred is the one where, as you as you get sets, you
1: lay them down. Correct. Correct. That's exactly right. You're you're building towards a bigger game, a bigger score, yes. and you you take the the sets you make and you lay them down, and your opponent can play off of them as you go. Fantastic! Oh, all of them
0: fantastic games. They still hold
1: up. All of them fantastic games. And, uh, you know, I did a little Google because I was curious, thinking about old school and older school. And uh, they all apparently go back to an, uh, a game from from China in the Ming Dynasty called Kan Hu, which goes back to like, uh, you know, the 11, 1100s. Really? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it was I fell down a little bit of a Google hole on that one. The uh, the emperor was was super into that one. And apparently, you know, what he plays, everyone plays. <laughs> but the the, the trick taking game has its roots way way back.
0: Interesting, way back. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah and yeah. uh, euchre. I think euchre and poker are the last two games we should mention in the card playing card games. We'll call it because they all use yep. use the the same elements to to play their games, and they're they're all great. Um, yeah. It, Poker is, uh, has been a, a game that I've played quite a bit of in, in my life, and very much, very much enjoyed. We had a, uh, a rather big, big group of us, uh, the Silver Lake Rounders. It was sort of uh, film professionals, you know, actors, directors, producers, some studio mm-hmm. guys, and stuff like that. Um, had a, a rather big monthly tournament that we would. That we would play. Dimitri was in that uh, in, in that group with me and a, a few other people. Uh, one of us went on to one of the like grinders went on to win a World Poker Tour title. So wow, yeah, right, not bad. Well, poker for me,
1: I, I like it. I never got into it, but in my in my memory and in the history of like how games took root for me, my dad had a poker night once a week,
2: hmm. and
1: uh, it, it it sort of mirrors my idea of like when I go to game night with you guys when the world was what it was and hopefully when it will be again. But that was like my mirror image of what he had, because he would go once a week and go play poker with the, with the guys. Mm. And I always remember thinking how fun it must be, because he'd always say, if I win, I'm getting you a toy tomorrow. So I always had like a vested interest in him <laughs> taking the pot.
0: <laughs> if I if I lose, you don't go to college.
1: If I lose, you're gonna have to work for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, poker. You know, that's it. So you could we could do a whole. I'm sure you could do gotcha. a whole show just on poker. All
0: right, uh, we are we're getting low on time, so let me go to my next one. My next one is Mahjong. And I've I've said that uh, my uh, my uh, mother in law uh, likes mahjong. My mother likes mahjong. They they play together virtually now. Now that they're they're all you know sequestered, um, they play they play online with each other. And uh, yeah. when my mother in law is living here in Los Angeles, which is about half of the year, uh, we will go over weekly, daily, whatever, and we'll play a few, yeah. few games of mahjong.
1: Very fun, you know. It's it's totally fun. Yeah. Totally fun. It's a nice little matching game. Nice little order of operation game. Totally nice. Not the, not the deepest thing in the world, but pretty good. No, I mean, Enjoy yeah. Well, I'm not putting it down. I've enjoyed it, but it's not something I've gone back to ever.
0: Yeah. What's your next?
1: Uh Mancala. Ah, the oldest. the oldest. The yeah, oldest game. It goes back to like Egypt, 6 600s, uh, you know, 7th century kind of thing, and it's uh is that right? Again, I thought it was older. Number game. Uh, well according to my google hole they've got it going back to the 7th century i'm going to um, trust
0: you 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 probably know
1: i only just because i just did this i didn't know it before i looked but uh, this was another one that i played as a kid and it's the simplest to begin and you know it's really just it's a numbers game you're you're, you're starting out with uh little chips in your hand it could they use seeds back in the day um which is why they called it sewing and you pick up a, there's like, you know, let's say five on one side and then five on the other, and you each have a goal. You scoop up one of the the pits uh, full of seeds, and then you sprinkle them one at a time around the board. And if you've counted right, every time you pass your own your own home, you drop one in your own home. And the first person to get, you know, all of them wins, basically. And it's, it's simple but fun to play.
0: And, and that has been a technique that has been
1: used in other mm-hmm. games. Uh, Absolutely. It's the basis of a lot of different uh, mechanics in lots of games, for sure.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, and even though I don't really love it, I will mention Risk as being one of those early men-on-a-map games that... Uh, yep. that Brought people into this hobby in various ways, and access, yeah. and I'll also mention access and allies because that was the one that said, "Okay, I think we could do a little bit better than this," and and took another step toward what would end up becoming this hobby.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I only have one more on my list. So hit it, we hit it. Close you, this out.
0: No, you hit you hit that last one, and then we'll and then we'll end.
1: Okay, sounds good. So my last one is Ostello, which is essentially mm-hmm. a Go variation um with a board game from like the 70s where it's area of control you're trying to take over the board uh, each piece has a black side and a white side and when you get your two pieces on either side of your opponent's piece you flip that one over and it, you know you watch the board go from black to white back and forth and it's about where you put your pieces and trying to surround them it's a su- it's essentially a super simplification of go go meets is, checkers you know, probably one of the oldest yeah exactly Exactly. But it's a game I played endlessly, and it's a game that um, I never got bored of for some reason. I don't know. There's something about the ebb and flow of the turns you take and the moves you make that uh, that spoke to me in some way.
0: Well, the cascading action of seeing the mm-hmm. board change fairly significantly is, is an attraction. It's a very interesting thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good ground level game that I think kids could enjoy quite a bit. I bet you it would still hold up, if not, you know, as an adult, but for, for kids of this generation
0: and oh, thanks for thanks for the uh, the trip down memory lane. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely, I loved it. Yeah, I I, I think that you know the hob- i'm happy that the hobby has gone where it's gone i think that the games that are being made today stand on the shoulder of giants and they have become better and better and better because of that because they are iterating off of somebody that iterated off of somebody that iterated off of somebody to make something that is better and better and better but that doesn't mean that there aren't just just wonderful you know kind of kind of perfect experiences in and of themselves that existed uh, back when that, you know, a game like Pit can't be topped in, you know, because it is perfect for what it is. Right. Uh, and there are games Absolutely. like that. And, and backgammon too. I think, I think
2: they're good. Yeah.
1: No, I couldn't agree, ba- agree more. And I think that was really well said. It's, it's exactly right. It's, everything that we love started somewhere. And some of those origins are still worth taking a look at. All
0: right. Uh, shall we do one game sommelier before we get out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with Mama, Madame, my, mom, my, dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. With my 50th player of Agricola, a million games, show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. All right. I got a game request that's kind of interesting here i think it might be a good one for for jake to weigh in on here it is by Mm -hmm. my favorite handle on discord in our discord group dr three putt i have often felt like dr three putt that's one of the reasons i don't really play golf anymore uh dr three putt said i would like to find a a three to five games that i can introduce to my group for That are heavier games. It seems like the average weight on our table is around 2.5. When a couple of us want to get an extra player to try Lisboa, Pax Pamir, or Pipeline, we get a no. Three players are good, but we would love to get a fourth to do something heavier. Um, And I'll start by saying Jennifer uh, weighed in online and said that, in her opinion, first of all, Lisboa, you should never try to get people that they're used to the average weight of 2.5 to play something like Lisboa, and I could not agree more. I think that's dead on right. Just just way too far. I think Pipeline, actually, you probably could get people to to play but that maybe the, the the topic just just feels like a, a turn off to people she recommended concordia power grid everdell and underwater cities good recommendations really really and in particular i agree with concordia and everdell being games that i think you could get people who are used to the much more medium level games into and that that could bring them in there uh which is kind of cool uh, Jake, w- you're, you're a casual gamer that we drag you all the time into heavier games. What are the, what are the games do you think that, that, uh, w- would be the easiest to pull people into the heavier end of the spectrum?
1: You know, she mentioned one of the top ones for me, the Everdell, which, uh, mm. as for me, one of the draws is the art uh, that can really make it or break it for me. But, um, one game that did come to mind and I thought about this a little bit last night was, uh, Terraforming Mars. Um, that one's pretty complex, but when it was taught to me, it spoke to me, and I felt like I, I, I could I could get into this. And it wasn't even that gorgeous. I mean, it's a pretty simple looking board, but for me, I'd say that that would be mine.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah, because sometimes if you like the theme, if you like the way the game looks and mm-hmm. what it's about enough, you'll suffer through some some rules difficulties, right? Yep. I don't absolutely. really. Think, yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't really think about things in that way too often. So it's good to. It's good to hear that. That does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. For me, um, I think El Grande is a an absolute classic. It's an amazing, uh, uh, amazing game, and it's pretty easy to understand. It's it's a it's the, mm-hmm. the the most amazing area control game out there. And if you get people addicted to El Grande, boy oh boy, you can get them playing a lot of heavier games. Uh, that's yeah. one of the games that I would say. Um, I mentioned Santiago a lot, but Santiago is one of the most fun, easy-to-understand games that is really, really deep in terms of the way it plays. And it will get people addicted to uh, some more cutthroat economic-type games. Uh, and so I would, mm-hmm. recommend, I would recommend that as well. And last but not least, um, when the new Tribune comes out, if it is good – uh, I think Tribune is a game that uh, that a lot of people can play because it's set collection. You're, you're placing your pieces out on the board and you're collecting yep. sets of cards. And yep, yep, yep. as long as you teach it from that perspective, there's a lot else that's going on in the game. But uh, I found great success with people uh, playing that game and uh, really getting into it, when, even though it's probably in deeper waters than they usually swim in. So, that was it, a good question, Doctor Three Putt. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor Three Putt. We love you, uh, <laughs> Jake. Thank you. You are uh, you are a joy. It's always great talking to you. I'm I'm glad that uh, that your son is doing well so far in school. I know it's going to be a challenging year, but uh, you are the you're the right dad to help guide him through it. And uh, well,
1: I appreciate that. And I just got to say, I look forward to this every time we do it. So. Thanks so much for you for making it happen.
0: Here, 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 here. Uh, next week, you will be back with Maddie, who will, I think will be doing a review with Jesse. So look forward to that. We have a YouTube channel; it is youtube.com forward slash c forward slash Game Pod. We have a Facebook group and a Discord channel—great places to get in those board game sommelier requests and. You've been listening to GameBrain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know him as Alfred. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can also reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. That's where to get those game the smaller requests. Thanks for listening, and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games.